episode zero admin what it is what it isn't and what it might be hello and thank you for joining me for episode zero of wages of zen and for the next few moments of your life i'll be your guide through whatever this ends up being all i'm certain of so far is that this will be an archive of monologues on various themes broadly centering on my interests of zen buddhism philosophy and psychology it's about life, basically, and I've been thinking about life and talking to myself for years, so I just thought I'd start recording it. But why Wages of Zen? Well, like most things in life, the title works on two levels. It's both a pun on the opening lines of the biblical quote for the wages of sinner death found in Romans 6.23, and also a rather fitting title for a selection of recordings outlining the potential benefits to seeing one's life through the lens of Zen and Eastern philosophy. From a Christian standpoint, the wages of sin seem like quite a dreary prospect, as they promise only death. Whereas it occurred to me that the wages of Zen, namely the payoff of the practices of Zen Buddhism, have entirely the opposite effect. If the wages of sin are death, then the wages of Zen is life. But more of that later. Future episodes of Wages of Zen will hopefully orbit loosely around designated topic or topics. However, this episode is slightly different and inevitably has an introductory flavour. The few people who know me well and who are listening to this may be frankly be wondering where the whole Zen thing has come from. They might be rightfully worried that I've joined an online doomsday cult fronted by a charismatic teenage TikToker from Ontario and that I stand poised in front of Microsoft Teams ready to down my poison Ribena whenever I get the signal. Well, I can assure you I haven't done any of that yet. Eastern philosophy and Buddhism, to some degree or another, has been an undercurrent of my intellectual life for the last 20 years at least. Possibly the reason I didn't mention this more often was for fear that I would be considered even more bonkers than was readily apparent at the time. Speaking of bonkers, those close to me will also know my struggles with mental health, particularly depression and anxiety. I'm writing this as the UK enters its third lockdown to try and stem the spread of COVID-19. With the removal of our previously taken for granted social privileges, the isolation of the lockdowns has for many people inevitably taken a severe psychological toll. Even though over the past decade the subject of experiencing poor mental health and the remedies available have moved into the foreground of the media's focus, Clearly, the numbers of people in all age groups self-reporting depression and anxiety are still increasing at a worrying rate. As this recording is on a public forum, I should say that although some of the techniques and practices that will be discussed here can be beneficial to those suffering with mild to moderate depression or anxiety, this is not guaranteed. In my experience, I'm sure that certain therapeutic strategies work for certain people. I'm under no misapprehension that 100% of people will resonate immediately with the practices suggested here. I suppose I'm simply showing what has worked for me in the hope that it might work for someone else. As the internet and self-help sections in bookshops testify, there are myriad mental health strategies available. And although many of these blueprints for living are grounded in similar areas of human wisdom that are of interest to me, many of them approach the topic from entirely different angles. If living well is something that fascinates you, I would suggest an open-minded review of all this information until you alight upon one or maybe some notions that pique your curiosity. Finding an approach that is deep and wide enough to sustain you over time is a good idea. The contemporary popularity of ancient religious and philosophical traditions is no coincidence. 
They're often examples of profound human wisdom formulated over millennia and although still far from perfect, they will provide you with more sustenance than the empty calories of social media, for example. In the religious and philosophical traditions of Buddhism, the practice of meditation and mindfulness are central. It is through using these techniques that in time, our minds, which are the source of our anguish, can be trained to settle, to understand and to observe, to trust and to simply be. It might occasionally be a torturously slow and uncomfortable process, but it's possible because I'm doing it and I'm a flawed human like the rest of us. Remember, this is not an online doomsday cult. This is just a little time set aside to explore what it is like to be human. The door is always open and please feel free to leave and return at any time you like. But before we continue, it is important to acknowledge that I'm speaking from my own experience here. Primarily, I'll be attempting to articulate observations I've made over the years of both myself and others, asking how our internal mental dialogues and social interactions might affect our subsequent behaviours and strategies for living. I'm not a qualified psychiatrist, philosopher, therapist or even Zen Buddhist, analysing and experiencing the victories and vicissitudes of life through the filter of Zen and Eastern philosophy has been and I suspect always will remain a joyous hobby. It goes without saying that professional qualifications are extremely valid and should you be suffering with your mental health and feel you need the attention of a doctor or therapist, then please make immediate use of whatever professional services are available to you. It is important to note that the ideas and practices illustrated here will make more sense and have a greater impact if you're already at the starting line, psychologically speaking. By this I mean that if an episode of depression or anxiety is currently exerting a significant influence over your life, then it would be better to engage in the therapeutic and pharmaceutical options available first and then return here when you're feeling more centred and functional. For reasons of personal safety, I do not recommend that people who are suffering with mania or disorders of a psychotic nature attempt any of the practices outlined here without the support of qualified practitioners or a professionally mandated course. Having said that, there is nothing mystical or magical going to happen here. Meditation and mindfulness are generally found to be calming and illuminating experiences, but occasionally the process of meditation can uncover past trauma or feelings of anxiety that threaten to overwhelm. And in that case, I would recommend that meditation is either discontinued in favour of a talking therapy or potentially considered as a parallel therapeutic approach. As I said earlier, the benefits of the practices highlighted here are much more likely to take root if you are at least feeling okay to start with. So with that in mind, I hope to see you at the starting line soon. I'm also keen to say that I'm not a teacher, so do not ever take what is said here as gospel. Please explore the notions and practices outlined yourself as best you can, and if they resonate with you and you wish to examine them further in a formal setting, then find a teacher or join a sitting group or a meditation community in your area and continue your journey, while still listening to me, obviously. After that long list of what I'm not, Here's a short list of what I am. I am a practitioner of meditation. I'm reasonably well-read and intelligent. I fa am fascinated by a large variety of subjects pertinent to the human condition, and I'm a committed autodidact, which means that I've taught myself to know what words like autodidact mean. Perhaps most importantly, I'm at a stage in my life when I feel that I might have something to offer others, a salve to share to soothe the strain of existence. 
Please remember that nothing here is presented as advice or as promises for a better or more meaningful or happier life. My aim, first of all, is to inspire thought, to engage the intellect, and then to hopefully foster in the listener a sense of open-minded curiosity. Naturally, there is always the gentle suggestion that one might like to experiment with the ideas and practices developed in the commentary, but that's entirely up to you. It can remain, if you choose, a completely intellectual exercise. Well, I think that's most of the admin out of the way. Before you move on to episode one, spoiler alert, it's about Zen and meditation, I have to take a little bow of gratitude and ask for your kindness. I suppose I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, although if I'm honest, I struggle a little with this as a concept, but here goes. I have a Patreon page. Now, I'm more than a little uncomfortable with the monetizing schemes that podcasters batter their listeners with early doors, but as the idea of artistic patronage tenuously aligns with the Buddhist, Buddhist notion of dana, that of the cultivation of generosity and the giving of alms, I thought, well, if Buddha's all right with it, why not? So if anyone out there finds what they're hearing interesting, thought-provoking or funny, then spare whatever you can afford and it'll be gratefully received and your support will inspire and allow me to produce more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash wages of Zen and follow the instructions. If you're still here, then let's walk together through the overgrown garden of weeds, vimto cans and crisp packets that is my mind. Over the course of our time together, both deep dives and shallow flounderings into existential questions will occur, so you have been warned. As I hinted at the beginning, this is a project without destination. One thing is certain, these monologues will ramble and be mercurial and not particularly well organised and seemingly distrust anything other than the faintest whiff of a structure. So uploads may be short or long form, prolific or sporadic. But I promise I'll do my best to keep it inter interesting at the very least. But I think that's quite enough for now. Perhaps a little randomly, I'm going to leave you with Kurt Vonnegut's critique of Hans Christian Andersen's The Ugly Duckling. Vonnegut said, If anything, I thought the story was boring. It would have been so much more interesting if the duckling had turned out to be a rhinoceros. I hope there will be many duckling to rhinoceros moments to come and I look forward to sharing them with you.